0: If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is in the middle, towards the middle of your Bible. We have been doing a study, and we're in the middle, really, of our series on the book of Proverbs on wisdom. What is wisdom? We have defined wisdom this way. Wisdom is competence in regards to the complex realities of life. Wisdom is the ability to navigate life well. To say it another way, wisdom is the ability to know the right thing to do in the 80% of life where the moral rules don't apply, or where there's no clear black and white answer as what you are to do. And that's going to be particularly relevant this morning, because this morning we're looking at wisdom and planning, or wisdom and decision making. And think about it. The scriptures don't tell you whether to live in Tennessee or Alabama. Some of you are going to disagree with this, but believe it or not, they don't tell you whether to go to Auburn or Alabama for college. The Bible doesn't tell you whether you should major in engineering or biology. It doesn't tell you you should retire on this date on this year and everything will work out for you financially. And and so then the question is, so what do we do? What do we do uh, and what do we need in order to make those decisions, those big decisions in life? Well, the Bible says we need wisdom. And So this morning we're going to look at and see what the Proverbs say about wisdom and decision-making and planning. And so follow along with me. It'll be much easier to follow along in your bulletin Or to follow along on the screen behind me rather than flipping all over the book of Proverbs. So this is God's word. Starting in chapter 11 verse 14. Where there is no guidance a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors there is safety. There is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end is the way of death. Without counsel plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps." The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Then lastly, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. This is God's word. Let me pray and ask God to help us this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we do commit this time to you. We need your spirit. I pray that you would give... um, us fertile our hearts, make them fertile, make them uh, soft so that we can receive your word this morning. And I pray that more than anything you would show us your good care for us, that uh, you love us and your protection over us and may you use that to free us in something like decision making that often brings lots of anxiety and stress into our lives and so would you free us this morning um, in this weighty big topic help make it clear help show us the way in Jesus name amen one of the things as human beings that we do a lot of in the course of life is make decisions we are supposed to make decisions we are free to make decisions we should make them. We should make plans. Uh, we should, very clearly, we see it here in Proverbs, we should think strategically about the future. We see that everywhere. I'll point out a few. I won't read them all. Look at 16.1, verse 3, chapter 16, verse 9, and then 21, verse 5. Uh, we, aren't, we aren't to be hasty in our plans And so, Proverbs in the Bible assume that as a human being, you will be faced with lots and lots of decisions about the future, in which there is no distinct black and white answer from God as to what you should choose. Some of those decisions are really small. Like, for example, tomorrow you might have to decide do I take my lunch to work or to school? Or do I eat there? Or do I go out and eat with a friend? Lots of, hundreds of small little decisions that we make all the time. Uh, But you know there's a lot of big weighty decisions that we make. Where do I live? How do I know whether to buy this house in that neighborhood or this house? How do I choose a college? I've got two really great offers. How do I decide where to go? Should I marry this person or not? Do I put my kids in public schools, private schools, or do I homeschool? And we could go on and on. Do I take this job in this state, or do I stay here? And as you might imagine, being in campus ministry for 12 years, I got a second degree in (laughs) decision-making, Because that's what 18 to 22 year olds, that's where they live. Every decision seems so weighty and so huge. But here's the thing that I learned throughout my time. is that people don't know how to make decisions. For the most part, people do not know how to make good and wise decisions. And they think about God's will in a very unhealthy and unbiblical way. For the most part, people are paralyzed, and they don't make a decision, and they can't make a decision because they're paralyzed, or they, they're completely passive, or they're superstitious in thinking about decisions. For example, uh, I could share a lot of examples, but one example, one time that, that I heard from one of my campus minister buddies, he told me about this particular girl who had a big decision, and this is the way she made all of her big decisions in life, but she went to a certain grocery store in her hometown, and she pulled up under this certain light in the grocery store in her car, and she would ask God out loud this question, whatever it was. God, tell me what to do in this particular situation. And she would wait. And if the light blinked, it was God winking at her. I'm serious about this. God winking at her, and that meant it was a yes. If the light did not blink, that was God's way of saying no. And I would say that's one way of making a decision, but I'm not sure it's the best way to make a decision. This morning, I want to free you. I want to free us up. This morning, I want to give a better way, a healthier, a more biblical way than sitting in, a parking lot under a light waiting for it to blink to think about God's will and plan for your life. I want to explore that this morning. And the Bible says if we're going to make good decisions, then we need wisdom. So how do we make good decisions? Three things. Again, this is, we can't exhaust this topic, but here are three things that we need at least to make good decisions. And the first one is we need to understand God's will. Secondly, we need to avoid foolish strategies and methods for making decisions. And thirdly, we need to walk in the way of wisdom. So let's look at number one, understand something about God's will. That's, I want to talk about that under this first point. And this first point is going to be a little teachy, okay? Uh, but I think we need it. I think this is important to talk about God's will Because it is something that I think lots of Christians misunderstand. And again, I can't say everything about anything. And if I try, I'll end up saying nothing. But when we think about God's will, if you grew up in the church, you have more than likely heard God's will talked about a lot. God's will for your life. And you should. That's a good thing. Why? It's in the Bible. God does have a will for your life. That's not the question, though, that we are asking. We know that. The question we're asking, or I'm asking, nine times out of ten, is we want to know what that will is. And so how do you know what God's will is for your life? Well, the Bible speaks of God's will in primarily two categories. And the first one, it's called God's decretive will, also known as God's hidden or secret will. And that is where God, the Bible clearly teaches this: that God ordains everything that comes to pass. You see it in you see it all over in this, these proverbs. But look at sixteen thirty three: the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is for the Lord. So God's decreed will means that everything that happens in this world is under God's control, all the way down to a roll of a dice, all the way down to every last detail in your life. That's God's decretive will. But the Bible also talks about God's will in terms of his revealed will. And God's revealed will is simply the Bible. It's the scriptures where God has revealed who he is and how we are to live. So, for example, is it okay for me to leave my wife just because? No. That goes clearly against scripture. Is it okay once I get a job to steal from my company? No. Why? Because God's revealed will. It's very clear in scripture that he is against those things. So the decretive will is the assurance and comfort that everything that is happening in the world is according to God's plan. That the wills are not off the track. God is working out his purposes in the world. His revealed will is the will that shows you how to love God and how life works best, how you are to live. Most of our anxiety and stress and fear comes from the desire to know God's decretive or secret will. That's what we want to know, isn't it? We want to know his decretive or secret will regarding our lives and specifically the future. We're good with the revealed will. We're like, okay, yeah, I get that. But what I really want to know is the who, what, when, where, and why of my life. Isn't that what you want to know this morning? We want to make sure we're making just the right moves at just the right time. Because if we don't, we're going to mess up our lives. So much fear and anxiety comes. I believe, and what I've seen over the years is because we don't know how to think about God's will. We are thinking about it oftentimes wrongly. Let me give you an illustration. We tend to think of God's will as a target that we are aiming at. And we think that we need to get as close to the center of this target as possible. Because at the center of the target is the center of God's will. And we want to be as close to that center as we possibly can. And so when it comes to things like whether we should move whether we should take this job or that job or marry this person or that person, we don't know what God's decretive will is. And so normally what we do, insert my illustration at the beginning and what we're going to talk about in point two, normally we resort to all sorts of strange and weird things in order to figure it out. Because we believe that to the degree that we miss the target is to the degree that we are out of God's will And we miss His blessing and goodness in our lives. A better way and I think a more biblical way to think about God's will is not a target but rather a fence or a football field. And so think about it this way. The Bible is God's revealed will and it gives you the boundaries in which you are to live or it forms the lines on the field. But the the field inside is the area in which you are free to choose. Let's work that out. What does that mean? Why is that a, how does that affect decision making? Well, first of all, I think it frees you up to make decisions for yourselves. But secondly, it frees you up from so much of the anxiety that paralyzes us because we're afraid We're afraid of choosing a certain thing because we think it's going to mess up our lives. Think about, and I do this, think about how much of our energy and time is spent worrying about things like the future that we uh, can never figure out. We worry about God's hidden and secret will and God never tells us those things And yet they take so much of our energy and stress and time. Does God have a plan for your life? Absolutely. For your specific life? Absolutely he does. Does God know what job you're going to take? Yes. Does God know who you're going to marry? Yes. Did God know those things before the foundation of the world? Yes. But the individual plan for your life is never one, and here it is, it's never one that God expects you to figure out before making a decision. We think of God's will as some puzzle. Like God is cruel and he's hiding all these clues all over the world so that we can walk through life. And if we do just the right thing, we can unlock the secret of walking through the life. And the Bible never talks that way. You know what the Bible says? It says God is in control of all things. And if you have faith in him, you can rest in his care for you. Rest in his care for you. Follow his revealed will in the Bible. And walk by faith. That's the formula. I love Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Puts these together. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord. You hear it? of will. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children that we may do all the words of this law. And so you have incentive. We have incentive to work hard to ask questions, to get out our piece of paper and do pros and cons and make our plans. But at the same time, we can relax and take a deep breath because God is working it all out. God is 100% in control. Here it is. You ready for this? This will blow your mind. And God God says you are 100% responsible for your plans and decisions. And if you have one or the other, you will not be a wise person. Think about it. If you're hide out in the camp of God's 100% in control, then you'll be passive. You'll never make a decision. You'll be like, God's going to work it all out. Or if you're in the camp of 100%, and that's where you hang out 100%, your responsibility, you will not get out of bed in the morning because you'll be so paralyzed with fear. You've got to have both, and you've got to hold those side by side because the Bible holds those side by side. Can our mind figure it out? Not a chance. But the Bible says both of those are true. Proverbs 16.9, look at it. It puts it perfectly. The heart of a man plans his ways. Plan. Go for it. Make decisions. Be responsible. But it's the Lord that ultimately determines and establishes your steps. Secondly, how do we make good decisions? We've got to know something about God's will. Secondly, we've got to avoid foolish strategies. There's lots of foolish strategies and methods for discerning God's will that are out there. Some of them, in and of themselves, are not necessarily all bad. But I've seen them uh, be abused. I've seen them be manipulated and used in very superstitious ways that are often more harmful than they are helpful. Let me mention a few of those. First, there's the whole idea of open doors. Heard that? Open doors, God opening a door. And what we mean by that is God providing opportunities and if he provides an open door for you, uh, then you must do it. Or God takes a a possibility away from you. Uh, Whatever it is, we say God closed the door. And and again, that sort of thinking in some situations is okay. uh, But I have seen it used oftentimes in very foolish ways. For example... I've seen it used uh, as a way to bless whatever bad bad idea that you've already decided upon. Let me give you an example. I know my marriage is in a bad place. I know I'm struggling to connect with my children. But God has opened a door for me. I'm getting a big promotion. My my pay will increase 20% and I'll make a lot more money, and I'll get a a new title to go along with my job. But the job will require me to travel 24 or 25 weeks out of the year. But God has given me this opportunity. It's an open door, and he wouldn't have opened that door if if I'm not supposed to walk through it. And here's the point. Just because something is available to you, and you have the opportunity to do it, you have an open door, doesn't mean it's a good idea for you to do it. We could think of a hundred examples of that. Secondly, the other foolish way we often, or strategy or idea, is looking for signs and clues. For example, this is where maybe you have a job here and you're deciding on a transfer, or getting a job in Nashville, Tennessee, and you pray for God to give you a sign or a clue. And on the day you are to make that decision, out of nowhere, you're walking along and suddenly your phone rings and it's a call from Nashville, Tennessee. And you pick the phone up and it's somebody who has a wrong number. <laughs> and you think, there it is. There's the answer I've been waiting for. Or maybe you're a student and you're deciding on what camp to work at in the summer. And you walking across campus or into your school, and the first person you see is someone who has—you you know the idea—who has the camp name written on their shirt. And so there it is. It must be something uh, that you are to do, friends. That is a terrible way of making decisions. Because here's why. You see the assumption. What is your assumption about what God is like? The assumption, think about it, is that God is cruel. That God has constructed this reality called life, and it's a game or a maze or a scavenger hunt, and you've got to walk and navigate life and find the clues at just the right time so that you can figure it out and life will go well for you. That's not what God is like. Thirdly, we randomly pick Bible verses. You ever done this, you know, where you have a decision to make and you close your eyes and you open up the Bible and you point, and wherever you point, that's the answer that God's given you. So should I go to this college or should I take this job? And it's March 10th, and so you open up the Bible and you point and it says Mark chapter 10. And so it's the 10th of March and it's the 10th chapter of Mark and you're thinking, da-da, there it is. I have my answer. Don't get me wrong. God speaks through his word very specifically and clearly. God brings to mind sermons and scriptures, of course he does, to speak to you very directly. The problem when we make decisions that way is that's not the way you're supposed to read the Bible. <laughs> the Bible's a story. Uh, the Bible is it, it, it's not meant to be read that way, and it's not the way you're meant to relate to God because that assumes that the only reason why God relates to you is to tell you something about your future. Fourth, feelings of peace. Did you know that the Bible never says that you should have a feeling of peace in order to make a decision? Again, not that it's all bad, but the problem with a peace, having a peace about something, is not that it's subjective. Here's the problem with it. It's assuming that it's from God. It's an impression. Uh, It's not a certain word from the Lord, which that's the way we often take those things. And so we think that if it feels right, it feels good, I feel confident, I feel peace, God must be leading me to do this. But think about the situations in your life where that's not true. Okay? In in scriptural situations, say, say someone hurts you. Or wounds you and says something really ugly to you. Does that feel peaceful? No, that feels really hard and you feel unsettled, but God doesn't say, just wait for a peace. God says, no, you need to forgive that person or your money. Uh, God tells us to give our stuff away. And last time I checked, that didn't always feel very peaceful. And feel very good on the inside. It's often a struggle, isn't it? To open up our hand and say, God, it's all yours. Or think about buying a house. Has anybody ever felt peace in buying a house? (laughs) Uh, Particularly your first house. Because it's the biggest purchase that you've ever made in your life. And you're thinking, there's no way we're going to be able to do this. But think about Jesus. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's sweating blood. Does that sound peaceful? No. And God and Jesus didn't say, I'm not feeling a peace about this. So I'm just not going to the cross today. No. And listen, I'm not saying never listen to your gut. I'm not saying to, to never listen to that or that peace means nothing. Well, what I am saying is don't make that the end-all, be-all to your decision-making. Don't make it the extra special uh, thing that you have to get in order to move forward with a decision. And, and so here's the question then. Why do we do all these crazy things? Why do we do crazy strategies in order to make our decisions? Here it is in one word, Fear. Because we're afraid. And you know what we're afraid of? We're afraid of the story that God is writing with our life. We're afraid and we don't trust him and his power and care. And so we become control freaks, don't we? And we say, I know what's best for me. God doesn't know what's best for me. It's a cruel world. It's a broken world. I've got to take care of myself. I've got to look out for number one. Nobody's going to look out for me, and so this is all on me. And if I choose A, here's the way we think. If I choose A instead of B, and God wanted me to choose A, then, then somehow the choice that I've made will send my life into a spiral, out of control, and I will suffer. You see, what we really are trying to avoid is suffering, isn't it? Notice what that reveals. Again, I'm going back to the question. What are your assumptions about God? What does that reveal about how you view God? It reveals that I've got to choose rightly. Because if I don't choose rightly, I'm out of God's protection and care, and He will be done with me. What if God's bigger than that? What if God, let me say it another way, what if if God's better than that? Friends, God really is good. And you know what that means? He uses your successes in decision making and your terrible decisions. And it is possible to make terrible decisions. And he even uses those things. And they're all under his care. And he uses the good decisions and the bad decisions. And he weaves all those together in order to grow you up and make you more like Jesus, and to make you more mature. Listen to these two passages. I want you to just listen. You'll know these, but I want you to think about these. Matthew chapter 6. It's in the section where Jesus is saying, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't spend all the time stressing about the future. You know what Jesus says? He says, look at the birds of the air. I feed them. Did you know that? And then look at the lilies of the field. I clothe them. And he says, look at you. You're a human being. You're my child. If I clothe them and feed them, how much more valuable are you? And how much more am I going to take care of you? You can trust me. Matthew chapter 7. I love this passage. Which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? And the implied answer is no one. You wouldn't do that with your kids. And then listen to what he says. If you who are evil, that's us by the way, would give good gifts to your children, how much more will I, the Father in heaven, give good gifts for people who ask him? Friends, your life is being held in the hands of a loving and powerful father. I love 1 John 4, chapter eight, uh, verse 18. Perfect love, which is the way God loves you, drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. What does that mean for decision making? I want us to move into decision making with boldness and with freedom, knowing that no matter what happens... That we're not outside God's care and protection for us. And that he loves us and so we can rest and relax. Because we've got a good father and he knows exactly what he's doing with your life. You believe that? You can move in with boldness and confidence and courage and decision making. And you won't be paralyzed and afraid. Thirdly, walk in wisdom. So how do we do it? Okay, so how do we make decisions, wise decisions and good decisions? Let's walk through an example together and get really practical. Let's say you've got a choice on whether to stay here for a job or to move away for a job. You get, you've got two job opportunities. Or maybe for you, you're trying to make a career choice or on whether or not you should change careers. How do you do it? Well, there's probably other things, but let me mention a few first of all, you look at the Bible. Remember, God's word is his revealed will. And when you look at the Bible, don't look for a verse that says, you shall take this certain position at this specific company on this specific day. No, no, no. Look for principles. Is the job legal? <laughs> is it ethical? Is that job glorifying to God? Uh, 1 Timothy chapter five says talks about providing for your family. Would this job allow you to be able to provide for your family? That's something to consider. Or what about what's the Bible say about the church? The Bible says the church is a really big deal, and if you're a Christian, you should be a part of the church and go to a church. And so, think about when we make decisions on jobs, we're really good at saying what's the call, what's the package, what's the salary, what's the benefits, what are the schools like. What are the neighborhoods like? We're house hunting, but often, you know, what we never do is what is the church situation? Is there a good church there that preaches the gospel and exercises church discipline and the sacraments? A church where I can get involved and become a part, and a a place where I could grow spiritually. There are other questions, but there are a few. The second one is you got to know yourself when making a decision. You got to know who you are. Do you know yourself? What are you good at? What are your skills and abilities? What are you passionate about? What really gets you up in the morning? And would this particular job be a good fit for you in the way God has made you? Do you have the intellectual ability for that career or for the job? I saw this all the time in campus ministry. Uh, Students were basically trying to... Their parents had a will for their life. I'm not sure it was God's will for their life. um, But they would want to go to med school. They'd want to be a doctor. And What do you have to do to be a doctor? You've got to pass this thing called the MCAT. And oftentimes students, you know, that was the make or break. And it would reveal whether or not they had the intellectual capacity to follow God's direction in that particular way. But also, do you know your sin patterns? You know your idols. Can you tell me what you struggle with? Because you see, I think your particular struggles, uh, you know, based on whatever they are, maybe it's not the wisest thing for you to have a job where you travel alone all the time. When you're in a hotel uh, 200 nights a year uh, by yourself. Or maybe it's not the wisest thing for you to move there because you have no community, you don't know a soul, and you would have no accountability. And based on your particular struggles, that would not be good for your sanctification. Do you ever think about that? Or maybe you struggle with overworking and neglecting your family. And maybe a job in which you're traveling weeks out of the year and working 90 hours a week in which you're killing your soul Maybe it's not the wisest thing for you to do for the sake of your health and your family and your growth in Christ. Thirdly, pray. I know that's obvious, but James, I love James 1.5. If you want wisdom, ask for it and I'll give it to you. So ask for wisdom when making a particular decision on which job. Remember, that's our scenario or which career choice. Fourth. Seek wise counsel. Look at these Proverbs. It's everywhere. I mean, I won't read them all. 11, 14, 15, 22, 20, 18, and twelve, fifteen. all talk about community and decision making. And if you don't ask people and help from the outside, Proverbs is saying that you're foolish. You don't know everything. And so we need to ask people that are older than us possibly or someone who's worked at the company or is currently working at the company, hey, I know they're telling me all this, but what's it really like? <laughs> what's it really like to work there? Make, wise, uh, and make sure there's wise counsel because there's also bad counsel. And make sure you have someone who has a different perspective possibly and not just someone who would tell you what you want to hear. And so then here's the question. What do you do when all of that's not clear? What do you do when you've done all of that, you've gotten out your piece of paper and you've written down your pros and cons and you've looked at the Bible and they're both good? You've looked at the fits and you'd be a great fit. You know who you are. You'd be a great fit in both roles. You've prayed and it's not clear. You've gotten counsel and they both say both are great. And you still don't know. What do you do? You ready for this really spiritual answer? You pick one. The most spiritual thing you can do sometimes is to make a decision. And again, I know it doesn't sound spiritual, but it's the most spiritual thing that I can tell you. At that point, when they're both equal, just do what you want to do. Just choose one. I love Augustine. He's famous for that famous quote, love God and do as you please. There really is something to that. Look at Proverbs 16.3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. At first glance, I misunderstood this until this week. At first glance, I always thought this read, pray for the Lord to bless your plans, and to let your plans succeed, and He will answer them, and your plans will go well. It's not what it means. The emphasis here is on commit to the Lord. The emphasis is not on your plans. And the word commit means to roll onto or to put your weight on something. And so Proverbs 16.3 is really saying this. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Lean into him. Roll into him. And in time, as you walk through life, you will grow and be someone who makes wise decisions and good decisions. You see, it starts with the fear of the Lord. Remember Proverbs chapter 1? Listen to Kevin DeYoung. He's got a great little book called Just Do Something. Listen to what he says. After you've prayed and studied and sought advice, make a decision and don't hyper-spiritualize it. We're really good at that, by the way. Do what seems best. Sometimes you won't have time to pray and read and seek counsel for a month. That's why the way of wisdom is about more than getting a decisive word on one or two big decisions in life. The way of wisdom is a way of life. And when it's a way of life, you are freer than you realize. If you're drinking deeply of godliness in the word and from others and in your prayer life, then you will most likely be someone who makes good God-honoring decisions. And so do you have a big decision to make this week? Understand God's will and how it works. Secondly, avoid foolish methods and strategies. Thirdly, walk in the way of wisdom. And at the end, if you find yourself not knowing what to do and it's the deadline and you've got to make a decision, just make a decision. Because God is good and He's trustworthy and He's big enough to handle whatever it is that happens in your life. How can you be sure? Because of the cross. You know how you can be sure that God has your best interest in mind? Because of Jesus. Look at the cross. That is an historical demonstration and proof that God loves you and that you can trust him with your life. And that you can, as Proverbs 16.3 says, you can roll your life onto him and put the full weight of your life onto him. I love Romans 8. You'll hear me say this all the time. God did not spare his only son, Jesus. And if he did not spare his only son, Jesus, how will he not also graciously give you all things? That's good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for making us your children. Would you forgive us for our lack of trust, our lack of uh, trust in your protection and care? And we ask for wisdom in decision-making. We all need it. We're all making decisions all the time. Would you help make us wise people? Would you help us to commit our whole life to you so that we are walking in the way of wisdom? Father, I pray and now as we continue worship that you would loosen our grip on our life, loosen our grip on our things, remind us that you're the owner of all things and we're simply stewards I want you to make us good stewards. Would you make us cheerful givers? Do this in Jesus' name. Amen.